are listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tvcweb.com. Well, good morning. Also, I just want to say, you know, um, can we take a moment and give it up for our bands on all of our campuses? Didn't they do a great job this morning? Hey, I also want to welcome you if you join us online. You know, while we're on the subject of our campuses, over the past three weeks, I've had the opportunity to visit all three of our campuses. So three weeks ago, I was at our Delton campus. Here's a picture of me at the Delton campus speaking. So I had a lot of fun there. They're a very energetic group at Delton. And then last week, I was at our Middleville campus. Jeff was teaching here. I was helping out with the kids. And so here's me at our Middleville campus. Helping out with the pajama jam. There we go. Yep. And now I'm, I'm here and I'm just excited about what God's doing this Christmas season. You know, when I was thinking about Christmas and the fact that it's a little bit over a week away, I thought to myself, there are two types of people in the room when it comes to Christmas. There are those of you, and when I say Christmas is a little bit over a week away, you say to yourself, oh yes, because you love Christmas. Love gift giving, gift receiving, ugly sweaters, cooking, all of that. But there's another group of you in the room. When I say that Christmas is just about a little bit over a week away, you think to yourself, oh, but you can't say that word in church if you know what I'm talking about. Because you think all, all about all the pressure. You even haven't gotten your shopping done yet. Here's what I've come to notice when it comes to the Christmas time of year, our hopes and our expectations are shaped by our experiences. This past week, I was riding in the car with my 14-year-old son. He looked at me and he said, Dad, it's kind of weird that it's almost Christmas and there's no snow on the ground. And when he said that, I thought to myself, that's because he grew up and he was born and raised mostly here in Michigan. I grew up down south in Louisiana it never snowed for Christmas. I remember the one time that it did snow, it was 1986, and it snowed so much that for us in Louisiana, we had a hard time celebrating the first coming of Jesus because we thought that the Lion had won the Super Bowl and Jesus was coming back again because it snowed <laughs> in Louisiana. But see, our, our expectations were shaped by our experience. And I was thinking about that very first Christmas, the hopes, the expectations for the Jews who lived in the first century, who were waiting on a Messiah, one who would come and liberate them from their sin, who will set them free, who will bring freedom to their lives. I was thinking about that song that we just sang, the first Noel. The word Noel comes from a Latin word, nashi, which means to be born. But it's actually more than just a Latin word. It's also a Hebrew word. It's nashi, which means to be born, and el, which means God, the first to be born of God. Jesus was born so that we could experience a new birth, a new beginning, to bring hope. In a lot of ways, you could say Jesus was God delivering on his promise of hope. Jesus delivered. They've been waiting They've been planning, they've been seeking, they, they've heard the prophecies, and now he's there. 
You know, I don't know how you do your Christmas shopping, but there's some of you who like to go to the store. You like to touch the merchandise. You, you, like, you like to maybe go out on Black Friday. And I'm hoping that none of you got a black guy on Black Friday because you got an argument for trying to get a TV or whatever it is. But for Jen and I, the way we've learned to Christmas shop is by Amazon Prime. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I believe Amazon is a gift directly from God. Can I get an amen up in here? I mean, I'm telling you, there's nothing like when you get the email notification, it's been delivered. I didn't have to go stand in a line. I didn't have to do anything. My package has been delivered. This is how we do all of our Christmas shopping. Our friends, our family, is, it is delivered to us. I want to take you back to that first Christmas when hope was delivered. This is in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. It says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother and they bowed down and worshipped him. This is a group of men known as the Magi. That's what the Bible calls them. Maybe in the tradition you grew up in is the wise men. They would have traveled over 600 miles, believing a prophecy over 600 years ago by a prophet named Daniel, who was a captive in Babylon. He said one day there would be a Messiah and he would be born in Bethlehem. And so it says, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that's why historically people think that there were three wise men because of the gifts, but it was more likely a huge caravan. These men believing, waiting, anticipating this, this gift of hope that has been delivered. And they travel and they bring him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now that got me thinking about like, that was the best baby shower ever. I don't know what you got for your baby shower, but when I had kids, I didn't get no gold, frankincense, or no myrrh. I got like cheap onesie and great value diapers in Three Rivers, Michigan. Anybody can relate to this or is this, okay. Somebody like, nah, man, like, you know, I'm doing it big. I'm in here in Hastings, but that's you. But he gets gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Why did they give such expensive gifts? Because they've been waiting on this promise that's been delivered. You know, that got me thinking back to when we had our kids. I remember when we had our firstborn. We had been waiting. We'd been so excited. Almost 17 years ago, my wife gave birth to our firstborn daughter. Here's a picture of when my daughter, my oldest daughter, was born. It was wonderful. And then about a year and a half later, we had another child. And here's a picture of our daughter with our son. He's 14 now. And I can remember the immediate moment when my daughter was born. The first feeling I experienced when what we had hoped for was delivered was happiness. Every parent can relate to this. When, when that child that you've been waiting for is born, there is happiness. And then I remember bringing her home, and at 1 o'clock in the morning, she started crying. And I remember the pressure and the stress of having to wake Jen up to feed her and take care of her. 
The pressure on me as a dad to have to wake Jen up, it was pressure. Because with every hope and every promise that's delivered comes also hard work. If your hope or your dream has recently come true, there's hard work attached to it. There was a dream in your heart. There was an idea. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this business. You've been waiting on a relationship. You've been waiting on something. And after the hope comes, comes the hard work and the effort. You know, I think about these wise men, these magi, who traveled 600 miles to deliver these gifts to the Messiah, the hard work. The hard work of taking that travel, following that star, because the hope had been delivered. Let me talk to you a little bit about these magi, these wise men that we have come to know them as. The first thing about them is they were scientists. They, 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 they understood astrology and all of these things. And more than likely, when Daniel the prophet says that there's going to be a star and you're going to have to follow the star, they've been waiting and then there comes a moment where these scientists see the star. And then they say, hey, let's gather our stuff. They, we're going to take this work. It is, and, we, and there's going to be bandits, so we got to have security. And, and there's going to be these huge caravans. And, and they begin to follow this star. But here's what history also tells me about these magi, is more than likely they were also mystics. Which meant even though that they were intellectual, they were also spiritual. They wanted something more than just what their eyes could see. And, and that got me thinking that, you know, there's a lot of people watching online. Maybe you came, somebody invited you. And you're a little bit like the wise men. You're intellectual. You don't know if you believe all this faith, God, and Jesus thing. But you know that there's something that's missing. You want to connect to something. You know, right after last service, I was just right out there in Guest Central, and a lady walked up. She said, this is my first time here. And I cried through the whole service. She said, especially when you got up and started speaking, I started crying. I thought, man, I didn't realize it was that bad. But anyway, <laughs> what she was saying in all seriousness was she experienced something that was higher, something that was transcendent. That's what these wise men do. When, when they fall down and they worship this little bitty baby, you have to understand, Joseph and Mary are thinking, man, who are you and why are you worshiping my baby? And the reason why is because they experience this hope that changed them. I imagine that this is a story that they're telling all the way back. Hey, we met the Messiah and we gave him our very best. But here's the interesting thing about Jesus. He could have came any way he wanted to. He could have been born fully grown, and he could have immediately went to the cross. But I think there's a lesson in the way that Jesus came. And I think the lesson in the way that Jesus came was this, is that when Jesus comes as a little bitty baby, in a sense, God was giving Joseph and Mary the opportunity to steward the promise of God. To steward this promise of God to raise him to walk with him, to, to take him to synagogue school, to, to, to spend time with him. And can you imagine having a little Jesus around and saying, hey, I just want to let you know that there's something special about you. 
that, that we've been visited first by shepherds and then by wise men. And then when we were taking you to get you dedicated, there was another lady that came up and another man that came up. There's something special about you, little Jesus. Don't you ever forget about it. They have to steward this promise of God. Here's how Luke will describe it in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Luke says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. He grew. He grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. The, the context of this is earlier in this chapter, Jesus is at the temple probably for his bar mitzvah. And while he's there, he gets so caught up with the chief priests and the scribes that Joseph and Mary lose Jesus. They're on their way home. And, and I, you know, I imagine this story, you know, every young parent has, has left your kid somewhere. And I know that you don't want to, you know, anybody call CPS, but we've all done it before. And, and here's the moment. You're getting everything ready, you know, and they're like, hey, you got the car seat, you got this, you got that, all right, you got James, you got Jude. And then I imagine there's a moment Mary says, where's Jesus? You got Jesus? I don't have Jesus. You got Jesus? I don't have Jesus. And, I, and if I was Mary, I'd think to myself, I think I'm going to hell. I just lost the Son of God. I mean, what? <laughs> I just lost Jesus. Like, he came to me and I lost him. And then they go and they find Jesus, and he's sitting talking with the chief priests and the scribes. And then he says, listen, I got to be about my father's business. Which in, in that day and time, every young Jewish boy would have had a trade that they would have to learn and grow in. But he says, no, 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 I got, I got a bigger mission. What you were stewarding, what you were preparing me for, now I'm about to go on that journey. And then he grows up. He lives out that mission of hope, bringing hope to the hopeless. People who are forgotten and, and looked down upon by society, Jesus would come and he would bring hope. To the lepers, the, the people who were literally untouchable, Jesus would come and bring hope. To women and children, who in a patriarchal society were often left behind, Jesus would speak and give them dignity and honor. And even to the moment where Jesus is there on the cross, betrayed, spat upon, as he's hanging there about to die, there's a thief on the cross who says, hey, listen, I get it. You don't deserve to be here. I deserve to be here. Will you remember me? And Jesus, the son of God, the sinless one, looks at that thief on the cross and says, tomorrow you will be with me in paradise. Jesus delivered on the promise of hope in his life and ultimately in his death. And, and, and to go back for a moment to these wise men, these magi, the gifts that they brought were not just catchy and unique. They were actually prophetic declarations of who Jesus would be and what he would do. So first, let's talk about the gift of gold. The gift of gold was symbolic that one day Jesus would be a king. He would be a king. 
When he dies, they, 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 they write on him, king of the Jews. But he was more than just king of the Jews. He would be the king for those of us who would follow him of our hearts and our lives. But then they bring him also the gift of frankincense. Frankincense was a, a very special herb and spice that had a, a, a very beautiful aroma. It's what the priest used to make the holy oil known as the anointing oil. The gift of frankincense was symbolic of the fact that he would be a, a priest. Not only would he lead us as a king for God, but he would represent us to God. But then the last gift that they bring him is the gift of myrrh, which was used in burial ceremonies. See, these gifts would have been both surprising and a little bit awkward for Mary and Joseph. To get the gift of myrrh would almost be like on the day of your child's birth, somebody brings a little casket. The gift of myrrh was the gift of hope. That not only would he be a king and a priest, he would eventually die for people like the thief on the cross. People like me who don't measure up. People like you who don't always have it all together. Jesus would bring that hope with both his life and his death. Here's how Luke would sum up what Jesus did in his life in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good, healing all who are under the power of the devil because God was with them. You know, as I was preparing for today, when I read that passage, I thought in 2024, that's the kind of church I want us to be. Known as one that's going around doing good. Bringing hope to the hopeless. Bringing strength to the discouraged. Saying, hey, it's all right if you don't have it all together. To bring hope, to go around doing good. Here's what's going to happen in a moment. In a moment, we're going to receive a Christmas offering. Now, if you're new or you're just visiting, this is for those who would call this their church family. But for the last eight or so weeks, we have been praying as a church family of how we can bring hope to our community. So what you're going to see in a moment if you're just visiting with us is those who would call this their church family are going to drop this in the offering as it goes by so we can bring hope to people who badly need it in our community and in our world. And we're going to do everything we can in this next year from expanding our compassion center to we want to buy a washer and dryer to help people in need. We're just going to do everything that we can to bring hope because we want to be about the Jesus mission of going around and doing good. Here's what's also going to happen after the video that I'm going to show you, which is kind of a, uh, a year-end review of kind of what God did through us as a church family together. The ushers are going to come forward. The Christmas offering is going to go to outreach. But if you want to give to the regular operations of our church, there are going to be these little um, basically boxes on the way out that you can just drop something there in. And I'll just end with this. You know, this morning when I came to church, I was so excited because I knew all the fun stuff that we were going to be doing together. But I look and on my desk, there's a card from a lady who said, I want to thank you for Grief Share. As a church, we host over 52 classes for all types of things. And this person said, thank you for Grief Share. Because this was a 
year that I didn't expect, but I was glad that you had that. And I thought, that's it. That's why we do what we do, because we never know when we will need hope. And I'm so glad that God has given me and us an opportunity to bring that hope to others. So I'm going to end in prayer. We're going to show this video, and then after the video, the ushers are going to come forward. They're going to receive our Christmas offering, and then we got a couple more songs. Will you pray with me? God, today I pray for the person who came to church today, and they're like that lady in the first service, and they cried all the way through because they're in a hopeless place. They feel hopeless in their marriage, in their relationship with their kids. Just their outlook for 2024 is one that is bleak and is dark. God, would you use us to be people of hope who transform our communities and our world with hope? So God, I pray you would use everything that comes in to the regular operations of our church and our Christmas offering to spread that hope in a meaningful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit 